You know what? Uh, we know the deep pain that comes with division. And we also know the blessing of unity, how it's so sweet to the soul. Yet this last year, 2020, the start of 2021, division has deeply touched our nation. And this is the worst news, it's reached into the church. And it's reached into families. And it's reached among friends and started to split the church, to split families, split friends, division. And as I process this, I can't help but think to myself that these things ought not to be. I think that's the way that Paul said it. Jesus said it this way, among the Gentiles they may do it that way, but not so in my church. And you know what, brothers and sisters, division is not something that should be in the church of Jesus Christ. And yet it's touched the church deeply over this last year. You know, as I'm processing this and struggling, I'm like, it's being fed, the division's being fed by so much misinformation. Satan is having a field day in this country and in the church and even among friends and family with half-truths, misrepresentations, things taken out of context, truths being withheld, and I don't care what side of the table you're on, this is happening all over the place. And there is, there is just people are out there just being fed with all kinds of stuff to keep the fires going. But I'll tell you one thing, there is one place where truth is certain, and it's right here. It's in the Word of God. And there's one place where there's, matter of fact, let me take it back, there's not one place, there's one person where unity is possible. And it's not a Republican president, and it's not a Democratic president, it's Jesus Christ. It's the only place where unity is possible. And you know what, guys? We look forward to the day where right here on earth when Jesus reigns and we'll be living in a world of peace because Jesus is the king. But for now, we're living in a time where the God of this world is working havoc even in the church through the divisions that are existing. You know, the first three chapters of Ephesians, which we've been dealing with, has been talking about who we are in Jesus Christ and who we are together as believers as the church of Jesus Christ. Then for the first time, we see a major trans transition in the book in chapter four, verse one. Turn there if you have your Bibles. There's a major transition in the book. And it comes in the very first word in chapter four, verse one. I'll give you a second to get there. I'm excited to open God's word this morning because I believe I have something to say about this topic. Not on what Pat Peglow has to say, but what God has to say through his word. And it starts with this important word, 
therefore. Simple conjunction that ties together everything we've learned in chapter one through three to chapter four through six. Therefore is the logical conclusion of what has come before. When you see that word, there's all this stuff that's going on, then all of a sudden he says, well, here, this is what you need to take from this. When we, when we boil this all down, this is where you need to go with it. And in many ways, the therefore of chapter four, verse one, introduces us into the so what of chapters one through three. And the so what starts in chapter four and goes all the way through chapter six. And we're moving back into Ephesians this morning into the so what section as we take a closer look at a whole bunch of so what's we're gonna learn over the next number of months that come in light of who we are as believers in Jesus and together in the church. Now as I read this, I want you to watch for something and remember something. This is what I want you to watch for. The heart of the first so what is this? Fight for unity by tolerating others. This is the very first so what that comes out of who we are as individuals in Christ, who we are together as a community in Christ. We need to fight for unity by tolerating others. That's what this passage is gonna teach us this morning. And as I read this, I want you to remember this. This church was made up of Jews and Gentiles who for centuries upon centuries had hostility towards one another. And now only Jesus, only Jesus can take a group of people like that and put them together into one church. And the first thing he says to them after reminding them of who they are is fight for unity by tolerating each other. Watch for this as I read chapter four, verses one to six. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, there is one spirit. Let me just draw your attention here to something real quick. We're to preserve the unity of the spirit, not make unity. There's a unity that comes from the spirit of God in the body of Christ that we're to work to preserve not create. And when he says there's one body and one spirit, guys, there is no other hope than the spirit of Christ to give us what we need. So there's one Lord, I'm sorry, there's one body and one spirit, just as also we're called in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, and one God and Father of all who is over all. Just wanna break that down for you real quick this morning. Let's start with this. The first thing he's calling us to is to have a fitting lifestyle. Look at back in verse one. He says this. I implore you to walk. 
Let me stop there. Walk is a simple little word that when we see it, we need to realize he's talking about a lifestyle. He's not talking about a one-time action. He's talking about an ongoing, habitual way of life. And so now as believers, in light of who we are, he's going to talk about this is what should characterize your lifestyle. And he says this, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy. Walk in a way that is fitting and suitable and worthy of, as we read on, the calling with which you have been called. Well, what's that calling? Guys, <laughs> it's the calling into a relationship with Jesus Christ and all the blessings that we have in Jesus and the relationship that now we have with one another in the body of Christ. That's what we've been called into. We've been called into a relationship with Jesus, with all those blessings. We've been called into a relationship with one another in a church. And what he says here is this, we need to have a lifestyle that's fitting and suitable into the relationships into which we have been called. A walk that is fitting as a child of God, a walk that is suitable as the body of Christ. So this is what he starts with in calling us to this. And then this brings us to our main point this morning. This is the first thing he's telling us we should do. We should be fighting for unity. Look at verse three. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Be diligent. Work hard at it. Give intense effort to preserving the unity of the spirit. I love what my good brother Ron Benton said to me often. And he said this, he says, Pat, we need to fight for unity, not for our ideas. Did you hear that? That's the core to this whole thing. Thank you, Ron, you blessed me with that as you instruct me. I'm looking forward to being blessed by you and Dawn this afternoon at one with a workshop on spending. But Ron said to me off, he says, Pat, we gotta fight for unity, not for our ideas. Isn't that the core? Where does division come? Because I fight for my ideas, right? <laughs> but when I fight for unity, that's a whole different ballgame. And what he's telling us here is we need to be diligent. We need to work hard. We need to give intense effort. We need to fight to preserve the unity of the spirit. And it will take a fight because we are different. We are different in so many ways. We are different in our ethnic backgrounds, which impact the way we live and think. We are different in our political allegiances that have impacts upon who we are. We are different in our economical brackets and sociological ways that we live. We are different in our age, which means a whole lot of differences. We're different in our genders. I thank God for male and female, but we are different. Our backgrounds are different, which helps shape who we are today. Our brokenness is different. 
Because you know what? There's some people who have been totally broken and understand their deep dependence upon Jesus. There's others that haven't been broken yet and they just really don't understand the depth of their need for Jesus even though they're saved. Our maturity levels are different. Some are new believers, some are just growing, some are serving, some are matured like fathers in the faith and mothers in the faith. We have different spiritual gifts which make what comes out of me different. Guys, we're full of differences. That's why we need unity. And you take 2020 and throw that on top of all these differences. You throw in all the COVID issues, the mask issues, the political issues, the racial issues, and you put all that in and the way it's impacted, like I said, the nation has reached into the church. There are a lot of things that we're different about. And here's the one that breaks my heart the most. I'm amazed the way that genuine born-again believers can fight over doctrinal differences. <laughs> we fight over doctrine like Republicans and Democrats in the Congress, guys. These things ought not to be. Now, I understand fighting for the deity of Jesus and salvation by faith alone, but when we fight about end times or tongues and stuff like that, guys, we're fighting the wrong fight. We need to fight for unity as a church. And every one of these things has potential for us as a community of people to divide us. They all become like bait in front of that fish who's swimming by and all of a sudden they see that bait and boom, he bites on it. This becomes bait for every one of us to become divisive with one another. And then in this passage, he gives us the seven foundations to unity. I love this. You know, I've always wondered, why is this here? First time I understood when I studied out this passage. This is the foundation to unity. There's one body. There's one, I was gonna go with two like this. No, number two is one, one spirit. Just as there is one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Because of time, I, I can't break down every one of those, but I'm gonna illustrate with two of them. I'll let you have the joy in your own heart of sorting out how do each one of these play into unity. But this is the foundation. These are the building blocks that unity are built upon. For instance, there's one Lord. That means there's one master. That means there's one boss and head in the church. And that's Jesus. It's not me. And it's not you. <laughs> so guess what? If there's one Lord... And the, the lordship of Jesus is all about obeying his will and living for him. If there's one Lord and we come together as a body and we want to be unified, guess what? My goal is to seek the will of my master, isn't it? But when I seek my will and my want and my desire and my idea and another person in the body is seeking their will and their idea and their want and their opinion, guess what? We fight with one another. But when we say, you know what matters is the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church, not the senior pastor, not the chairman of the boards. It's Jesus himself. 
And we all come together and say, my goal is to seek the Lord and what he wants in this versus fighting for what I want. There's potential for unity. You see what I'm saying? Now look at the next one, one faith. This is the one faith, the word of God. This is what we put our trust in. This is our constitution for the church. This is the blueprint of how the church is supposed to operate and its people. Actually, you might say this is the owner's manual that was created by God himself, the creator of the church and of the believers to teach us how this whole thing operates. Now, think with me for a second. To have unity, this has to be the starting point and the authority for all our decisions, for all of our opinions, for all of our discussions. So you're never gonna have unity if the starting point happens to be your political belief or this is the way the business world does it or this is what the psychological world says or this is how other churches do it or this is how we have found to be the best practices or maybe even my own best ideas. You following me? Because you got your own best ideas. I got my own best ideas. I look at that church, you look at this church, and all of a sudden we look there, but guess what? When we lay all that down and say the starting point of all discussions and all decisions become the word of God, there's potential for unity. You know what? The Bible talks about a believer in 1 Corinthians 3 that's called a carnal Christian. He defines a carnal Christian as this. He's someone who walks like a mere man. He knows Jesus Christ personally. Jesus actually lives in his heart. But he still thinks just like the world thinks. And he still walks and acts and has attitudes just like the world. Carnal Christian. Like a mere man. Now think with me for a second. We have people at all kinds of different spiritual levels within the church, and there may be even some that are carnal that are walking just like mere men. Their life isn't driven by what the word of God says. Their word is driven by a hundred other different possibilities, but not what the word of God says. And I'm gonna tell you what, you get into a discussion, try to make a decision, share your opinions, even with a carnal Christian. You've got as much potential for unity as a discussion with a person that doesn't know Jesus, who has no respect for God's word, who comes with all the thinking of the world and when it comes to morality, and you're coming from the word of God to try to do it. You follow what I'm saying? <laughs> Guys, unity can only happen when we have the same authority when we have the same foundations, when we have the same starting point, and that's the word of God. So now, how do we get there? We talked about the foundation to unity, the call to fight for unity. We see in the passage we get there by tolerating others. Let's admit it. 
it's easy to get along with those who think like us. I mean, you think like me, you believe like me, you got all the same stuff as me, you're saying whatever as me, you and I, man, we connect like this real easy because that's just the way it is. But when somebody's different, they're different in the way they think at the core of their being. They're different in the, and I'm not talking about biblically here because you know even Bible people can think very differently based on all kinds of differences that have impacted us. We can have different opinions, we can have different ideas, we can have all kinds of things. So it's easy to get along with those who are like me, but it's those that are different is where the problem comes in. And we're told to tolerate them. Remember back in verse two when I first read it? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love being diligent to preserve the, the spirit. It's going to take tolerance. You know what tolerance means? Tolerance simply means this, bearing with someone who's different. It means to bear with somebody who is different than me. Now, this is how the world, I think, as I look at the world today, interprets tolerance, because we hear tolerance a lot being trumpeted in the political world and our need to tolerate. And, I, and as I listen and interact with those who, who trumpet that, who talk about the importance of including and loving everybody, they will love and accept and respect and be kind to everybody except those who disagree with them. Isn't that what the world's tolerance is all about? If you agree with me, I'll tolerate you. Biblical tolerance isn't about that. Biblical tolerance says, I will love and accept, I will respect and treat you kind, even if you're different than me. Do you catch it? Guys, our world has moved into a way of thinking and controlling people with the word tolerance that says, you're only tolerant if you agree with me. The biblical tolerance says, I'm even kind and respectful and loving, accepting to those who are different than me. And there's three attitudes that are necessary in this passage to be tolerant. Look at back at verse two. With all humility and gentleness, with patience showing tolerance. You see the three attitudes that go along with tolerance? If you're going to tolerate someone who's different than you, it's going to require humility, gentleness, and patience. And so, when it comes to unity, here's the key to it. Every one of us has to watch over our own hearts. <laughs> That's where it starts. It doesn't start in the voting booth. It doesn't start in a sermon. It starts in my own heart and watching over it and watching over my attitudes and making sure that humility, gentleness, and patience is the way that I'm walking. That's the hope for unity in the church. So let me ask you a couple questions. What did 2020 
in the start of 2021, now reveal to you about your own heart when it comes to unity and tolerance. Do you have a tolerance that's like the world defines or one like the Bible defines? Do you have humility and gentleness and patience? So you gotta ask yourself, you gotta be honest with yourself. I'm being honest with me. I've seen some stuff come up. I said, Lord, this isn't pretty. And I took it to Jesus and I confessed and said, Lord, you gotta do something. This isn't right. This isn't what your manual says a believer in Jesus should be like. And I wanna encourage you, be honest with your own heart. Where is it? It's the place we gotta start. Let me ask you this. How close does your heart match up to these three attitudes that we see here in Ephesians. Humility simply means this to be low of mind. It means I don't think that I'm better or more important than others. It isn't pride where you're high-minded about yourself. But low mind doesn't mean I put myself below others, but I just, I just see us as a group of people who are all human walking together and I'm not above them and they're not above, we're just, we're people. Humility. I don't think less that I'm lower than other people, but I don't think I'm higher. I'm just low minded about myself. How are you doing with those that are different than you? They're the ones that take toler- tolerating. How's your humility towards those that are different than you? How about gentleness? You know, I thought about this this morning. I love a surgeon that is gentle. (laughs) Don't you? I mean, somebody who approaches you, uh, you know, not only, I'm talking about especially when they're in the surgery. They're delicate, they're mild, they're tender. You know what the opposite of gentle is? Harsh, forceful, stern, rough. And when you get into a discussion, they're real tough and they're real strong and they're real forceful and they're very, you following me? Guys, that doesn't bring unity. That ought not to be among God's people. And as we come together as people, we need to be gentle with those that are different than us. And I gotta be honest with you, one that challenged me the most was the last one, patience. I love the way the Greek dictionary defines this. It really helped me understand patience. It says it's a emotional calm without complaint or irritation when faced with a difficult person or a difficult situation. Did you catch that? By the way, it doesn't say it's somebody who on the outside fights and keeps all this stuff in so I kind of look patient. It's saying in the core of your being, when you encounter a difficult situation, a decision you don't like, an opinion that's different than yours, when you face these things in the core of your being, are you truly emotionally calm? Are you not irritated down here? Are you not complaining? That's patience. That's what it takes to be unified. Matter of fact, another way it says it is this. It's a heart that remains in its seat. Don't you love that? I love that picture. The other side of it, it's a heart that doesn't jump. 
Man, somebody comes, they got a different opinion, they got a man, I jump right out of the seat in my heart and already, I'm already upset, I'm ready to fight, I'm irritated, I'm ready to go at it. You know what's interesting to me? Two of these three qualities are fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You know what that tells me? I have to depend upon the Holy Spirit to have these. I love what Watchman Nee said. I came across this this week. I've been reading his book again. He said this. For forgiveness, we look to Jesus Christ in the past and we depend upon what he did for us on the cross. Isn't that what forgiveness is all about? I'm not trusting in anything I can do. I'm trusting in everything he did for me at the cross in the past. That's the basis of our forgiveness. Well, listen to what he says on the other hand. To do God's will, which means to live out what this passage is talking about as a believer, means to live out any passage of the scripture, to be filled with the Spirit does this. I look to Jesus Christ in the present. And I depend upon what Jesus will do in my heart today, tomorrow. You catch that? My salvation as I look to the past of what Jesus did on the cross, my salvation today from my own flesh and from everything that can suck me into being divisive comes because I'm gonna depend upon Jesus right now and what he's gonna do because he lives in my heart. That's the key to this whole thing, guys. You can have all the teaching right, you can have all the information right, you can have all the Bible verses right, but unless we're walking moment by moment, depending upon the person of Jesus, his spirit who lives in me, to produce in me his life and character, it's never gonna happen. And let me tell you something. Again, I wanna encourage you guys, ladies, because I, I can only say this because I do it to myself. If you do not see humility, gentleness, and patience in your heart when you come in these times, don't lie against the truth. You're not filled with the Spirit. You can give me Bible verses. You can tell me all the ministries you're involved in. You can tell me all that kind of stuff, how long you've been a believer. But you know what, guys? If my heart's not manifesting this, I gotta be honest with myself, the Spirit of God's not in control of me right now. <laughs> this is my flesh. This is Pat Peglo. This is not the indwelling Jesus. You know, God challenged me about this, and the worship team, come on up this way. Because, you know, I used to be in the habit of jumping out of my seat <laughs> in my heart. I didn't jump out of my seat in discussions and meetings, but in my heart, man, I jump out of my seat. I get irritated. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to, you want to throw one at me? I'm going to throw one at you, man. You know, that's your fleshly pastor. I got good news for you. God has worked with me. So the story, there's good news at the end before you walk out and say, I'm not sitting and listening to a guy like this. I came across a passage 
that uh, I won't say God knocked me out of my seat because so many people say, Pat, you say that so many times, so I won't say it. But this is what God, this passage blew me away. It says this, the Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome. Whoa, did God convict me. Pat, you get sucked right in and you go right into the fighting like anybody else. My bondservant must not be quarrelsome. It must not be a person who's fighting and arguing and like this all the time and harsh and prideful and not gentle, patient. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. Wow. <laughs> Guilty as charged, Lord. I want to be your bondservant, and you tell me I can't be your bondservant if these are the ways I respond to people who disagree with me or who are in opposition to me or attack me. And I remember God challenging me with that verse, and I was coming up to a situation where I knew again I was going to be in a situation where there was going to be this kind of conflict coming. And I know I get sucked in so many times. And I, I, and I remember I, I prayed. I said, Lord, because this verse, God spoke to my heart. I said, Lord, I can't do this. Matter of fact, like I just said, I was looking to the Jesus who lives in my heart now. He's got to do a miracle in me. He's got to fill me with kindness and gentleness and patience, even with those who are not with me or unkind to me. And I remember, I mean, this, this wasn't just Lord help. This was a prayer meeting. <laughs> my personal prayer meeting on my knees. Jesus, I need you to do a miracle. And I went to that situation and guess what? God did a miracle. And I didn't get sucked in. And I remember waking up the next morning just so rejoicing, God, you did a miracle in my heart. I didn't get sucked in. Thank you, Jesus. And it's like God tapped me on the shoulder. Pat, I expect this of you all the time, not just for one meeting. Yeah. I was like, Kimmy, so I went back. I actually pulled out the Greek. I said, is this in the present tense? Let me see, if, was that really the Spirit speaking to me? Doggone it, it's in the present tense. <laughs> God's bond servant must not be quarrelsome. But kind to all, even those who disagree with you. Able to teach, patient when they're wronged by others, and gentle when people are opposing them. Brothers and sisters, all I can tell you is this, for Moraine Valley Church to be a church where unity will characterize us. And Jesus said in John 17, when the world sees the unity in the church, they're gonna say, hey, something's going on over there that Jesus is real. But when they see the church dividing like the rest of the world, they don't see anything different. But brothers and sisters, this drives me to my knees. I pray it drives you to your knees. 
that the Spirit of God will enable us to be people who fight for unity by tolerating one another. Father, I just pray now that uh, you would, God, would you speak to us? You have spoken to me more than once about these things for my own life because I desperately needed them. And Lord, I as desperately needed to trust in Jesus for the ability to walk this way as I needed to trust in him to be saved. And so Lord, I come to you and I pray for my brothers and sisters. Would your Holy Spirit search out our hearts today? Lord, anyone who is guilty as charged by your word this morning, I pray they wouldn't fight against it, but they would submit to it and acknowledge it to you and they would turn their trust to the indwelling Jesus to work a miracle in their lives. God, make Moraine Valley Church a church of unity. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.